I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back. We are at the last episode of the season, and I've saved an extra special one for last. If you follow us on Instagram, you know that we joke a lot about work-life balance, as well as highlight the serious challenges that black and brown women encounter in the workplace on the daily. We help you build strategy when starting a new job or negotiating salary or even when starting your own businesses. And what I hope you get in between those topics is always a message of hope. We make jokes to soothe our pain. We might even cry. And a lot of times we're really frustrated with what's happening to us. But things can get better. A healthy work environment is possible. Making your passion your job can happen. Your career dreams can come true. And today's guest is our reminder of that. Let's hear the story of Alicia Lawrence. Okay, so like, let's start off. Tell us going to college, deciding what to study, and like what your dream was for your career then. So I remember, I think I was like 10 years old, and it was like in my heart, on my mind, like I'm going to be a fashion designer and nobody can tell me different. Like I knew in my heart that I wanted to do it. Also in my head, I was like, when I'm 50 and old and ready to retire, I'll just be a costume designer. (laughs) So I ended up getting into my first choice school, Mm -hmm. was Drexel University, for fashion design. Um, it was a lot harder than I thought. By no means was I like close to being valedictorian, but like, you know, just a really um, strong student. And mm-hmm. then going to a field where it's literally like, does my professor like this was really hard on me. And I think they had a clear idea of the type of designer that they wanted to produce. And that was not me. I did not fit that mold at all. So I definitely struggled. I realized that I didn't like corporate fashion design, which for our program, that was really what they were pushing. Mm -hmm. We had to do a co-op. So we were out of classes for six months while we were working in the industry. And I ended up doing a graphic design and textile design co-op at Calvin Klein Jeans. And I loved the textile design part of it. But again, like 
that experience just showed me that I didn't want to work in corporate fashion. But what was it about corporate fashion that was like not sitting well with you? So it was super like catty. I kid you not. And I wish this wasn't true. I had to stand at my desk for a couple of days because another department believed that our department stole their chairs. So they took my chair. Okay. Mind you, nobody was using the chair, Joy. Like, And these aren't like a bunch of interns. These are grown people. Grown women also. It was a black woman who took my chair. Like, it was just like, all right. <laughs> but I knew that I loved textile design. And that was making like the prints that would be on fabric for the clothes. And that was the class I took in school that I excelled you know, the best at. Like, that was, like, my thing. So graduated and was going on all of these interviews in New York. I went back home to my parents in good old Dumfries, Virginia, which is about, like, 40 minutes south of D.C. And was going on all of these interviews, and I started to get really jaded because every single one was like, you're great, you're amazing, you know, and you are our second choice, but you just don't have enough experience. And I'm just mm. like, you know, one of those, like, well, I need a job to get experience. <laughs> and it was literally like, I even had one job um, say that, like, I was at the same level as the person they chose as far as talent, but resume-wise, they just had more. And then I wonder, like, who they chose. Like, I felt like I had wasted my time, like, you know, because it's not like, kind of starting to believe what everyone's saying like it's you know not a transferable skill like what am I gonna do now did I just waste you know four years and all of this money it was a private school not cheap and I thought about my plan as a 10 year old and I was like well I know I love costume design so you know let's try it now and I took a costume design or a theater class at George Mason and really loved it and I was like okay I'm gonna try this and got an internship at a regional theater in Florida, working in the costume shop and basically doing everything costume-wise. Like we had to wardrobe supervise, so helping the actors get in the costumes and making sure everything was washed and prepared for the next show. And sometimes you had multiple shows in a day, so that was a super fun day. Did that, still was really loving it. I had a job also at a private school in Baltimore. They did a production of A Few Good Men for high school students. Okay. And... I had to find military uniforms that would fit high school students that looked like high school students. They weren't like football players, jacked, like they looked like small, scrawny boys. Being in Dumfries, I was close to Quantico Marine Base, so went to the museum there, talked to people. I'm like, do you happen to have like a stash of military uniforms you don't have on display or something that you could donate or, you know, we could rent or something? They had a connection to a guy in the area that had just warehouses of every type of military uniform you could think of. And he was just like, yeah, like tell me their names, you know, titles, what rank they are, and I'll get everything for you. He ended up putting all the insignia on for me, got as close as possible to the sizes and then ended up giving it to us for free oh nice and it was just like that moment kind of was like all right Alicia you made this happen and like realistically like you had no way of knowing how to go about this this was my first job as a designer what was the first time you realized that things were going to be set up a little bit differently for you in the workplace because you were a black woman for sure it was actually 
in grad school. So what prompts you to go to grad school in the first place? So it was me wanting to change career fields a little bit. So knowing that I wanted to do costume design. So did some research, was a part of uh, some like costume Facebook groups and would write, you know, what are some good programs. I ended up settling on Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, which is a rural area of Ohio. I didn't know this, but a lot of theater programs, at least, they will give you tuition waivers and give you apprenticeships. So you're kind of getting paid to go to school. So I did that. And the programs are usually really small. Uh, We only had three professors in our program. The head of the department is your advisor. So Everything is like very in-house. And if there are issues, you don't have a lot of places to go. So cue the trauma. My advisor and head of the department was a 60-year-old white South African woman. And in a way that people use like, oh, I have a black friend, so I'm not racist, she used apartheid. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I was, I am, was anti-apartheid. And, you know, so that like as a disclaimer type of thing. And I didn't really think anything of it. I never, you know, met anyone from South Africa. So I'm like, okay. Um, was in a costume history class. We were looking at Egypt at the time. She played a clip of, it was like a 1993 production of the opera Aida, which is set in Egypt. I am the only black person in this class. And there's a scene where there's like little kids on. So they were just all the same, like shade of brown. Okay. It was just like the exact same to a point where it's like, it's not possible. So they got on the screen like a little bit closer and I saw like clear as day that they were in blackface. No. And what? Yeah. I, I think I was just kind of in shock. And I realized like later that I was starting to shake and I was getting like really upset and so she had ended the clip to like talk about everything and I was also going through this like crisis in my head of like do you say something do you draw attention to it do you just like let it go you know like I don't want eyes on me about this but like also I feel like I need to call her out and make sure this doesn't happen again to somebody else so I reluctantly raised my hand and I was like was there blackface in that and she immediately over the top was like what where show me you know I was like well rewind it I guess Yes, like I'll you know show you and I was like right there I could tell she didn't really know what to say and I think I just honestly blocked a lot of it out but I can't fully remember what was said in that moment but it was definitely very dismissive and didn't really address it or like address why that was wrong continued another clip and again there was someone in blackface but was crazy it was a light-skinned black woman painted dark what and immediately people and There were no ill intentions in this, I know, because I know the people, but a couple white students, like, literally turned around to look at me of, like, a, oh, I'm so sorry type of thing. Mm -hmm. It was, like, a me just wanting to, like, melt into my chair. Mm -hmm. And this time, like, it really pissed me off. I was, like, visibly shaking. And I started crying, like, in my seat. And I was, like, hold it together until, you know, we have a break. Like, hold it together. Hold it together. So, like, literally ran out of classroom when we had a break in the class and was crying in the bathroom. Okay, so some people listening to this might be like, okay, this is wrong. But I don't know if I'd have that reaction. Explain to us, like... What are you thinking? Like, what? how are you feeling? And, and what is causing your reaction? So I realized later that it was a trigger for sure. Like, it wasn't just, you know, this is the first time it's happened or um, an isolated incident. And I realized what the trigger was is being in a situation where, one, I'm either the only Black person in an area and something, you know, racially insensitive happens, or it's 
I'm not the only person of color, but I'm the only one that like realizes something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, this goes back to when I was in middle school. I think this was the first time I was in middle school. And again, there were other black kids around. They just didn't catch on to it. And um, we were reading Robinson Crusoe. I employ anyone to Google how racist that story is. Um, but it was just like reading that. And I'm immediately like, this is wrong. Like no one sees that this is wrong. Okay. And me being in middle school, you know, I didn't like raise hell or anything because I'm young and that was really my first time experiencing that. But this was just like another trigger of that. I think for so long too, I was just tired of being the only black person, but like because of the field I wanted to be in, I knew that that was my reality and it kind of just all came like crashing at that moment. And I'm also very in tune with my emotions. So it's very hard for me to hide certain things. Um, so that's a real, like, I knew it was coming. So literally bolted to the bathroom. That's interesting. Um, I don't want to highlight it because I think folks listening forget or don't even clock that our reactions aren't based off of what you just did in that exact moment. They're based off of years of situations, big and small, compiling in one millisecond, right? <laughs> to give that reaction. The way you just broke that down is a great reminder to others who don't know. It's like, this is one of a million things I've experienced and I'm tired. Again, I couldn't even focus on the lesson because I was wrestling with like, do I say something to her? And at the end of the class, I was like, you have to, you know, muscle up the courage and do it. Um, Talked to her after class and I said, and I phrased it in a way that was honestly a little too passive, but I'm like, you know, I don't fully know this woman, so let me just try. So I was like, you know, in the future, if you do feel like it is instrumental to show these clips, can you please put a trigger warning on it or a warning, content warning, whatever, saying that there is blackface and immediately was combative? Well, at least I didn't know that was in there. And I was just so taken aback by that reaction because I'm like, I didn't come at you crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't accuse you of doing anything. I just said, you know, if you're going to show this, can you at least talk about what is wrong about it like put a warning on it and it was Alicia well you know things like this are going to happen in this field and you're going to have to find a way to not overreact and just to be okay okay um have a great day and walked out (laughs) like Mm -hmm. and so from that time like I had really started thinking about leaving the program and I was just like it's not serving me anymore I started I think this was like a year after I had made actually the only resolution that I've ever stuck with at New Year's, um, which was just being unapologetically myself. And if something does not feel right, like note it and fix it. So for me, it was like, I don't feel right here. Like I'm not my best self. It just doesn't feel right in my spirit. Like I don't need to be here anymore. So I was wrestling with that back and forth. And I was like, you know what? No, Alicia, you're going to stick it out. But there was still something in me that was like blocking me from fully like being present and previously I had told her actually that I was gonna leave and she was just you know understanding like okay like you know this isn't for everyone blah blah blah, you know that kind of cop out like oh you couldn't handle it okay and so later I came to her and I was like you know I actually do want to stay but in order for me to stay like we need to talk this through and she was like what are you talking about what's wrong and I said well the time that we had talked about blackface and you kind of dismissed it And again, like, 
joy, this was a completely different woman that responded to what I just said. Like, I've never seen the side of her. I never knew it was even in there. Mm-hmm. She immediately got like red in the face, pissed. So was it like, was it like she was embarrassed or about to become the Hulk? About to become the Hulk. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, I was like, I'm just trying to talk to you about, you know, like, it was so crazy. And she started to like, just get really pissed and, you know, well, we can have a difference of opinion. And, you know, it was just an artistic expression, but like trying to tell what? me, trying to justify blackface. I'm like, well, we're not doing that. I was like, you can't really have a difference of opinion on that. And it was just like, it ended up me, I was like, okay, we're going to play this game. Like it ended up me going down the list of all the racist things she has done that entire Ooh. year. And the the list was long, girl. There was one instance where we were designing a show and we had a black actress playing um, Mother Teresa. It's a the show is the last days of Judas Iscariot. It's a weird show, but uh, she was playing uh, Mother Teresa, and the director wanted her to not be the stereotypical like Google search image of Mother Teresa. Wanted her to be like a younger adaptation. So we had her of like what she would have looked like in school, like in Catholic school or something. Um, and was pulled in and asked me, of course, the only black person in the program, um, asked if she looked too much like Ruby Bridges. I was like, what? But it was just like my advisor had no idea who Ruby Bridges was. And I was like, you know, that's fine. Like you're from South Africa. I'm not going to hold that against you. But it came up again later and she still had no reference point, no idea. And I'm just like, wouldn't I would think if this was a point of conversation, I'm going to do my best to research so I know what other people are talking about. A quick Google search. Never did it. So I brought that up when she was hulking out on me. And she was like, well, Alicia, I'm really busy. I don't have time to research that. I literally said to her, it's a simple Google search. It's your job, though. You're a professor. Right. I said, if you cared, you would have found time. And so we were just going back and forth. And I was visibly shaking. I was also crying because, unfortunately, I'm a frustration crier. Mm -hmm. And she eventually gets up, opens the door, slams the door closed. And I'm just, like, there in her office, like, what just happened? Like, this is not how I planned going into this. Like, never thought that would have happened. And then... It was just, so it was just a big debacle and it's a small program. So everybody knew it happened. Um, It was a series of me going to therapy. I went to like the civil rights commission center of the university. We had to have mediation sessions. Like it was this whole big thing. Um, Then a similar situation ended up happening with another professor who uh, was non-binary. You know, as the type of person who have those, and I say that to, say that they use that as a way of like I get things Mm -hmm. I'm with people who are not privileged um you know I had the Black Lives Matter sticker on their office and you know human rights sticker like all of that type of stuff Mm -hmm. um ended up having a blowout with them and I'm just like yeah I gotta go and that was my like real first introduction of in my career I'm gonna go through this and unfortunately I've learned like if it happens once it's gonna happen again yeah and how does that dictate the way you know, this situation, all the other ones that you've shed light on, like, and many more I'm sure you haven't talked about, like, how does that dictate the way you see your place in this world? It's hard because I think I realize that I'm going to have to be that person that speaks up and I'm going to be seen as the angry black woman and I'm just going to have to kind of roll with it. 
in the way of like, you know, I'm angry because you made me this way. You know, I'm speaking out because you made me have a reason to speak out mm. and being okay with whatever label they want to put on me. I ended up actually staying in Ohio for the other year because I still had my apartment, but did a social justice program. All the things that I have ever felt, everything I've ever thought and scholars also were thinking the same thing. So it was like, I found my people, you know, like finally, like I don't have to over explain something. It's all there. Other people have proven it. So it ended up helping me kind of also understanding my place as a woman that is going to speak on race. So it's a way that I can speak from history as well as my own personal situations and experiences. So having that historical backup actually really does help your case. Mm -hmm. That has helped me recently, honestly, to kind of explain things and put things in a perspective that white people tend to understand a little bit better. Seems like having that context has been like a form of therapy. Yes. yes. So you finish your program and decide to move to Atlanta because if y'all don't know, Atlanta's like huge for production. I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's a bit of a risk. Yes. You know, you're choosing this city and you're going to just go and you're going to like find opportunities. Tell me about some of those first experiences once you were out there. So I moved to Atlanta. I was working when I was back home at David's Bridal, just as like a part-time job. So I used that as kind of my leverage to have a job once I moved. So I just transferred stores. That was definitely not enough to pay bills. So was relying on my parents to help out with rent and everything. Thankfully, I had that cushion because I know everyone does not. Um, I would not have been able to move to Atlanta without them. Ended up finding a Facebook group for the union here. And people would post if they needed like production assistance and specifically the costume department and just different jobs in general. So I would post there. And the issue with starting out and filming TV is that you're considered green, quote unquote, if you are new and don't have any credits. What kind of duties do these jobs entail? The entry level is a production assistant doing like lunch runs. So I would get lunch for everyone. Of course, it was on the production's time. You know, taking orders, finding receipts, really just like administrative tasks, like anything anyone needed. That was what I did. I found that first job through the Facebook group. Like I just put my resume out there and, you know, I had a lot of theater experience, but a lot of people are like, ah, she's theater. Like, you know, she doesn't know what she's doing in film. It's literally all the same thing. Like it's not rocket science. You can figure it out. Did you feel like you were learning anything? Yes and no. It was hard for me, especially because I had a whole master's degree and, you know, feeling like I'm an intern. Mm -hmm. So there were days that were really hard for me because I am just a general, like, true creative person. So if I feel like I'm not using that part of my brain, I'm almost in a depression. Like, in my heart, in my head, I'm like, I have all these skills and they're not being utilized. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I know there's stuff for me to learn. So it wasn't that, but it was just like, I'm not using all of the skills that I've learned. A lot of people probably are listening right now. I'm like, yes, that's me every day in my job. Like, not feeling like people are utilizing like your full potential and feeling like you have so much more to give. So tell us about, I'm calling it the opportunity that changed everything. Did I tease it right? Yes. Yes. Tell us basically what happened that put you kind of on the up with these opportunities. 
So again, it was the Facebook group. I had finished up doing a full run of a show. And at that point, I was like, I'm over peeing. Like, I'm really ready to kind of advance, try to get into the union, just get more opportunities. So I put my availability on the Facebook group saying that I was open after like this certain date or whatever, willing to PA, but also wanting to kind of take the next step and have more opportunities. And I was on vacation at the time and got an email from someone asking, asking my availability to be a production assistant. And the headline was like Marvel slash summer break. In film TV, when things are very hush-hush, they use code names. Mm-hmm. And Marvel especially does that. So you're never going to see anything displayed anywhere that's showing the actual name of the film or TV show. I Googled it and it said that summer break was the code name or Black Panther. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I'm available. Whatever you need, whenever you need me, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And I had called my parents, too, at the time. I was like, guys, I can't give you a lot of information right now, but I might be working in Wakanda. (laughs) So got brought on as a production assistant and what they call a paperwork PA. So I was helping the coordinator, which does a lot of the financial side of costumes. So like any receipts that come in, she helps to organize those for our actual accounting department, for the productions accounting department. So it was a lot of administrative paperwork type of things. And for me, I was like, you know, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't exactly where I want to be, but like I'm in the room, like I'm, I'm in the door. And I met Ruth Carter my first day and didn't expect it at all. Ever since she won the Oscar, I was like, that's my career idol. And she won the Oscar for costume design for the first Black Panther. And, you know, so I was like, someone who remotely looks like me, you know, like a black woman, like, yes, like, that's gonna be me. I went into like our crafty area. So like all the snacks and fridge and everything. And she came in and she was like, oh, hi, I haven't seen you before. What's your name? You know, like just a normal person. And I'm like, oh my God. I was just like, oh, hi, like, my name's Alicia. I'm a new PA. She's like, oh, great to meet you. And like, she was a normal person. And like, I've met designers who have far less accolades. Also, no accolades, nose in the air, can't talk to anyone. So, and it was crazy too, because the coordinator, I'll shout her out, Kenya, is amazing. And she found my post on the Facebook group and really was just like, she wanted to bring on a black person Mm -hmm. and then she saw my resume and saw my background and she knew Ruth's background and Ruth comes from a theater background so she was like oh yeah like we got to get her on and she was honestly my biggest supporter of like have you told Ruth like your background yet have you told her what you do yet Mm -hmm. and I was like this is like I I just got here like I gotta I gotta play a little cooler than that yeah (laughs) so it took me like a couple months to work up the courage I ended up telling her like briefly like when she was coming to get lunch and I was just like hey can I talk to you for a second like I have a background in fashion design and costume design and want to be a designer and I was hoping I could talk to you at some point and she's like oh yeah like every single thing she's like oh what yes of course like very very excited and set up a meeting she's like come by my office tomorrow morning I told her everything and she was like okay that's you know great to know and ended up giving me slowly giving me projects which I realized later uh were tests but it's crazy too because she's someone who is so big on mentoring and takes it very seriously so for her it was just like oh I have something for you like come down to my office like I want to talk to you and ended up getting to actually help on some of the costumes for the characters in the second one, which is surreal. Like, I am going to be able to see, like, things that I painted, that I sewed on a screen is crazy. Let alone this movie. Yeah. 
I ended up talking to her kind of just about my goals again and feeling like I was going to be stuck in like being a PA. She gave me advice on that. And she's like, oh, actually, like I wanted to talk to you. I have some research for you that I want you to help me with. I was like, yes, I would love to. So I did the research and apparently got it to her before she expected it and was very impressed by it. So she was like, oh, well, you did this so quickly. Like, here's three more topics for you to research. And it wasn't related to Black Panther, like I could tell. So I had no idea, like, why I was researching this, what I was researching it for. But, you know, I was like, I'm going to knock out the park. Like, I'm going to keep impressing her. So eventually she was like, okay, so I feel like I could tell you now and told me that it was for a project she was going to be pitching herself for. So we were talking a little bit and she was like, you know, like you are doing really well. Like I've given you all of these projects and you've passed every test. And I want you to know that if I get this job, you have a job. Came in one day, opened my computer and went to my email. I never have emails because I'm just a PA. Come to my emails and it's just like, maybe like 15 emails. So I'm like scrolling through and don't see any names I recognize, but I see like something from Ruth Carter. So I open it and I'm like reading the thread of it. And she's like, I'm CCing my new assistant, Alicia, and looping her in. There it is. (laughs) I was like, huh? So Kenya's like my work aunt. So I like went right to her and I was like, Kenya, so apparently I'm Ruth's assistant? She was like, the way things have worked out for you, like you truly have somebody looking out for you, like, you know, and for me, that is God, like just, so it was just like blessing on blessing. I ended up joining the union. And so that meant more money. I'm now the Ruth Carter's assistant. I just want everyone to hold on to this because there's so many people out there who are like waiting for their moment to really go or at least start going where they dream of. And you are there. How does it feel? Very surreal. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ever lose like how amazing, how special this opportunity is. And the fact that like I worked so hard for this. Literally my only real big thing that truly helped me was my parents' financial health. You know, without that, like fully would not be here. And there was also like just me busting my butt 24 seven to get here, going through all of the trauma I went through. And even that, like my master's is actually helping me in this new role um, with the new film that she's on. And even that, like telling her about my master's, like she had no idea. And she'll ask me things and I'm able to just like say stuff off the top of my head and her mind is blown. But it's also crazy because I'm not just her assistant. Like She even told me like the purpose of me being her assistant is that she wants me to get a bird's eye view of being a designer. Me even creating contacts because everyone to get on her calendar, to get to her, they have to go through me. So I'm meeting so many people. So many people know my name now. And that's crazy too. She wants to invest in me and wants to have a stake in me doing well and creating a career. I can't even put it into words what that feels like. It's only up from here. Ooh, Alicia, Alicia. Well, I want you to think about the people listening who have been trying so hard to get where they want to go. They are worn out, they're tired, and they're actually thinking about maybe settling and being what people like to say as realistic. What advice would you give to them? The reason that I was able to hold on was finding your support system. And my biggest support system is God and my faith. If you don't have that, then I would say it's find someone who can remind you how hard you've been working, how qualified you are. And at the end of the day, you also have to be that for yourself. Like If you truly believe in something, you're going to make it. And that's kind of my mindset is like, I can't not make it. And if you go in with that mindset, it's going to happen. Cue the Disney music. <laughs> 
Love it. Thank you so much, Alicia. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope Alicia's story is one that's inspired you. It's definitely inspired me and reignited a light inside of me that honestly had gone out. Your dreams aren't crazy. They're just your destiny waiting to be fulfilled. I'm going to miss you all, but I hope you take our time apart to figure out your next moves. What do you really want out of your life and what does that mean for your career? Take time to rest and strategize and really start to craft a life that makes you happy. Maybe that looks different than the one you have now. We'll talk next season. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 